wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Now, this is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Now, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you again. This week we're taking as our theme, You Are Not a Robot. And today we ask, is the Sabbath Jewish? Today our co-host is Eric Horn. Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome again, Eric. Yeah, great to be here again, Gary, and thank you for having me back. Oh, it is fantastic. You are a great, I love your smile. I wish we could put your smile uh, over the uh, over the radio. Tell me, how has life been treating you? Oh, great, thank you. Yep, we had a... Uh we took our Aboriginal group uh, to Salisbury Council today and we had somebody come and talk to us about diabetes. This is a very regular thing that you do on Tuesdays, isn't it? Yes, each fortnight on a Tuesday we have um, either craft or somebody coming in to talk about health or you know, issues that uh, affect the Aboriginal people. Uh, we talk a lot about finance and different things. So, yeah, it's really good. And the Salisbury Council provides the room, provides the speakers even. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. Really that is, no, I understand that today you actually... Well, not you, but apparently you had a presentation on diabetes. Yes, that's correct, and uh, that was interesting. Going all the different through the different foods, what size portions we should have, but how how the foods we eat uh, affect uh, uh, our either getting diabetes or, or people that have it. And one of the key things too was exercise okay. to burn off your sugar to open up to unlock the the, the locks that are in uh, the muscles and that when you've got a lot of sugar is actually exercise to. And they talked about a lot of that, but uh, so. Our our foods actually do have a lot of sugar in them, don't they? They do. I tell you, I was surprised. I'm going to have to change my diet a bit here. <laughs> but you do know that uh, it's interesting that the World Health Organization recommends that adults and children should reduce their daily added sugar intake to less than 10% of their total energy intake, which is about, about 12 teaspoons per day for an average person. And then she went through a list of things. Can I just let that, you know? That's 12 flat teaspoons or yes. heaped teaspoons? Just level teaspoons. Okay, 12 level 12 teaspoons. Okay. So let's start at the top of the list. What do you reckon would be the most uh, thing with sugar in it that you could actually have? The most thing? Oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually at the bottom of the list. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. So the number one seller in a supermarket, Coke. Okay. Yeah, the, and that's the number one seller, would you believe it? So yeah. how much sugar is actually in Coke? Well, if you took a 600ml bottle, you're looking at 16 teaspoons of sugar. That is huge. Six, that's, that's already gone past your daily limit once with that, if you had a drink of that. Yeah, if you had, had drunk the bottle, yeah. Wow. Gone. And wow. then the one below that, these are things that they just listed here. The next one was 600ml of flavoured chocolate milk, which I didn't think would... Uh, I mean, I like uh, flavoured milk sometimes, and that's got 14 teaspoons of sugar, so that's only two teaspoons behind the Coke. This it's must amazing. really push up your calorie count. You know, yeah. I, I'm so conscious that, like, I, I go out walking or try to go out walking each day, mm. and I'm so conscious that after I've walked uh, uh, walked for about an hour and I walk fairly fairly quickly, I do power walking, mm. I come back and uh, my uh, my little gadget tells me how many calories... That 
that I've actually burnt. And you realise that actually you can actually put more calories on by simply having one drink uh, than you can by taking an hour's walk. Yeah, well, these uh, specialists on diabetes said that exercise alone won't do it for you. Uh, exercise along with your food intake of what you're actually putting into your body. Yeah. Because what you input and output is, is what the key is, you know. The calories in, old, the old calories in, calories out thing, mm. it does actually have something to say for it, doesn't yeah. it? What amazed me, the one that really surprised me was um, orange juice. Um, it, uh, if you took a 600 ml bottle of orange juice, that's got 12 teaspoons of sugar in it compared to an energy drink, a 500 ml of that has 13 teaspoons. So it's just about on par with one of those energy drinks you see in the shop, orange juice. That's actually a huge, you know, that's a huge calorie intake. Mm. Uh, and that, of course, sugar, of course, are empty calories as well because mm. there's no fiber with them and there's uh, very few other vitamins, minerals. It tends to be just all uh, just loaded sugar. And that has huge impact on your body. Well, what they said was if you, you know, if you wanted to, uh, you know, if you like orange, you said better to eat an orange. And orange has got a lot of fiber in it. Yeah. And that means that when the, um, when the sugar comes out of the orange, it's, it comes out more slowly, whereas with the, uh, if you drink just pure orange juice, then that comes into the bloodstream straight away. It's there, and uh, the body finds it very hard to handle. But the the other thing too, those who put uh, a teaspoon of uh, honey uh, instead of sugar in, uh, one teaspoon of honey equals one teaspoon of sugar. So there's actually no no difference. It's no. Uh, it's sugar is sugar is sugar. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that amazed me too. So it was a very interesting day and uh, it kind of wakes you up a bit when you see these statistics. We don't really, even, you know, we talk about cereals. People think that cereals are healthy. Yeah. But I tell you what, some of them are loaded with sugar. Yeah. You yeah, know, and they've yeah. taken away the heart foundation thing that they used to put on. Now they actually, I think, have a, a stars or. You know, okay. Okay. Because mm. some of sometimes mm. those cereals are not as heart friendly as what we'd love to think. That's right. Yeah. 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 Eric, look, let's yeah. come to uh, uh, our uh, religious news segment today because I've just come across an article. In fact, just two days ago, uh, in the uh, in the Australian. Now, uh, this article was entitled. I actually quite loved it. Uh, Morality. It's a caveman thing. Now, this you get lots of pictures of cavemen, but I've never thought of morality as being a caveman thing. But this is what the article said. Chris Paley, and it's referring to a new book that's just been released, Chris Paley's new book about morality, entitled Beyond Bad, is distinguished by a tone of almost drunken belligerence. Morals, Paley writes combatively, are for suckers. Uh, morals hold you back. They stop you doing what you want to and make you do things that aren't in your interests. I like to read that sentence with a mental image of its author propped up in a pub doorway, pint in hand, pontificating. That's exactly where I'd expect that sort of statement to actually come from. Paley squares up to moral philosophers, telling them that their field has resulted in spectacular failure, he says, and commenting sarcastically, it's sad when any group of highly trained individuals becomes obsolete. Paley, who, as his prose uh, perhaps suggests, is a former investment banker, uh, says his aim is to show that we need to abolish the whole caboodle of morals as we know them. The book introduces the idea that your that your morals may be, in fact, holding you back. 
Now, I'll get you to comment on this in a moment because I think this, he's actually saying some, some radical, uh, radical things. And as a Christian minister, I'd be really interested in your, uh, your feedback on this. In the secular West, he says, a few of us believe that our moral opinions have a religious basis and nobody sane believes there are universal laws of morality grounded in fundamental science. There is, as Paley says, no morality particle. Nevertheless, we treat our moral opinions as if they are iron certainties, he says. Just switch on question time or look at Twitter to see that. Paley thinks that in our modern world, our moral certainty is not only misguided, but it's dangerous, he says. After reading his book, so do I. That's the author of this particular article. Uh, The morality we use to navigate the world of the internet, climate change and nuclear weapons is rooted in our deep prehistory. I love what, uh, what actually comes, comes next. Uh, and as Paley explains, our morals did not develop uh, to help us distinguish between good and bad. Morality, he says, invo- is an evolved behavior that flourished only because it helped our ancestors to survive and reproduce in the hunter-gatherer bands that constituted our species' social environment for most of evolutionary history. A human who had evolved the moral and altruistic behaviours essential to participation in the tribe stood a better chance of survival out there on the dangerous savannah uh, that an antisocial loner uh, looking out for himself would not. Here Paley introduces a compelling twist to this familiar idea. Humans evolved uh, not to be good but to seem to be good. Your membership in the tribe depends on tribespeople perceiving to, that you to be a good egg, uh, not uh, not on your uh, not on you actually being a good egg. You had to be perceived to be a good egg. We behave morally, he says, not for the sake of doing good, but because we need to keep our reputation within reasonable bounds. Now, as I read this particular article in The Australian, I mean, The Australian's a fairly reputable newspaper. I sort of thought, hey, this is absolutely out there. I mean, um, I mean I'm mean, i actually going to be getting hold of this particular book because I, I think it's something that I would like to uh, talk about uh, further. But the thing I'm so conscious about here is that you're a, a minister in a, in a, in a Christian church how would you react to this article as a Christian pastor? Well, I'd I'd rather be a moral person than not to be a moral person. And we're here we're talking about really a person's character and morality. And that's what I see this. There's no line in the senior. In fact, the world is would probably accept this and build on this because, there's, as we've talked about before, there's no drawn line on the sand on what is right or wrong. As long as you do... As long as you're bettering yourself uh, by whichever means, with no morality, if you're stepping over the next guy to get somewhere, then that's acceptable according to this. According to that, you're you're correct. You know, the thing that really jumps out at me, though, Eric, is that there's um, there seems to be this, uh, you know, morality is an artificial construct Mm. according to what this particular article is saying. But, you know, what I've discovered is that 
if um, if you steal my car, uh, you might feel comfortable about that. But um, the very moment, um, the very moment you steal my car, um, then um, I start to have an understanding of morality that suddenly says it's wrong yeah. for you to steal my car. Mm. Do you know, when something impacts me negatively, mm. I'm just so conscious that our initial reaction is to make a, a judgment call on that. I would love to know what the author of this particular book actually says if, for example, his home was to be robbed. Mm. You know, would he make a moral statement saying this is wrong this is inappropriate. Yeah. What do you think? Right. That's right. I mean, uh, the thing is, too, you know, it would hurt him. Uh, and uh, the morality here is the fact that he says here that it's only for show. Yeah. You're only doing it to look good. But that's not it. If it, The whole being of a person comes from the heart and the brain and what you think. And, you know, if you want to do right, you, you know, you'll be a moral person. But it's saying here you only just do it so that it's a big show that, you know, but it's not that way at all. Because what you're doing is when you're when you're being moral, you're actually thinking of the person out there, not of yourself. He is talking here about uh, like caveman attitude that you, you just want to get on and with life, doesn't matter who you step on. But but he's just saying that if you are moral and being moral, it's just to make other people it's, like you, but it's not. It's really, you know, care for number one first, isn't yeah, it? it is. No, this is, yeah. this is one of the real challenges, I, I suggest, in the world in which we're actually living today, you know, looking after number one. Do you know, to me, I think it's a really beautiful thing when the Holy Spirit mm. actually touches a person's heart because mm. at that point there seems to be a change that takes place within their mind. They start to care for... Uh, Others mm. before themselves, you know yep. that that old biblical uh, moral, if you like, mm. do unto others mm. as you would have them do unto you. Well, these these are uh, his writings here are the exact opposite of Jesus' teachings. It is completely opposite. Yeah, and when Jesus lived his life on this earth, he showed that on the way he treated other people. He didn't think of himself; he thought of the other people, and it cost him his life. So this is completely opposite what he's saying here. Uh, tell me, how do you think that this line of thinking, do you think there's any connection between this line of thinking and the impact of, uh, on, our, on, our, um, on our society today? Oh, dear. we're heading that way, aren't we? We're heading into the way yeah. where people don't care about anybody else. Um, and that's that's probably why his strong line of thinking that even the person that read this was kind of thinking that this was, was okay, wasn't he? Uh, that's, he exa- was. that's exactly what he yeah. expressed. But yeah. to me, well, I'd just love to be able to, mm. to question some of these folk and yeah. say, hey, look, does this mean that I have open slather on your goods? Because, do you know, that's what it means. If, in fact, uh, there is uh, no basis for morality, then there should be no problem with me uh, actually uh, taking your goods by force if if necessary and you wouldn't complain. Well, his opening statement, you know, when he says here, the rights that morals are for suckers, morals hold you back, they stop doing what you want to do and make you do things that aren't in your interests. I mean, that's completely opposite to the way I think. And, and, I, and, and I think the thing that you, he's got to realise here is that a moral
morals also keep the other person in check. In other words, there is there are boundaries. You know, this is why we call the Ten Commandments the moral law, because what it does is creates boundaries and says this is actually acceptable. It actually guards and protects yeah. society. And you're an action example to those around you, but also to your family, because yeah. children will imitate what you do. So if I went by his son, my kids will be stealing off me and not worrying about their pop. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Look, guys, let's come to some, some music. This is Linda Randall, uh, One Day at a Time. Thank you. 
is Linda Randall, One Day at a Time. Uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful song. Um, we've got a free gift uh, for you today. Uh, this uh, this week we're, we're dealing with uh, uh, the subject of uh, You Are Not a Robot. And, uh, of course, we're talking about the issue of rest and the, and the Sabbath. We've got a fantastic little book for you uh, this week. It's entitled God's Gift in Time. Now, if you've got any questions at all about uh, this particular week, about the things which we're presenting, God's gift in time will answer those questions. Now, if you would like uh, to receive a, f- a free copy of God's gift in time, please text uh, your name, your address, and your telephone number to our studio uh, phone here. It's 04888. 80811. That's 04888-80811. That's your name, uh, your address, and your uh, telephone number. And, uh, to our Faith FM, that's just, it's a text number only. Uh, so please don't try to, to ring it. It's 04888. 80811. Also, if you've got any comments or thoughts or questions about this week's subject, you're most welcome to also uh, send in uh, your questions uh, or your your comments, and uh, we would love to be able to respond uh, to you. Uh, now, uh, that uh, that book again uh, is the book God's Gift in Time. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're taking as our theme, You're Not a Robot. I love this uh, this particular theme. It is so, it is so needed, I believe, uh, in the world in which we're living today. And today we're asking uh, the Sabbath. We're talking about rest all of this week, and today we're asking is the Sabbath. Is it Jewish or do we all need this rest? It's actually one of the real absolute frustrations of my life. I am no doubt many of you will have uh, been from, had a similar situation. I'll be on the computer and I'll be asked by the computer to please prove that you are not a robot. Then I'll have to read some letters. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to do this, but I almost always get them wrong or I pick, I've got to pick pictures of the traffic lights. You know, those letters, I can never get them right. Eric, how do you go with those letters where you, when you prove that you're not a robot? I'm, I'm just as bad as you, Gary. I, I usually do about two or three attempts before I get because some of them are on capital letters and they're on angles yes. or they're small letters and, and you can't hardly read them. Ah, uh, that's a, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I might not be a robot, but I certainly can't do their quiz either. Um, five attempts and two blockings later, I'm usually in. And, you know, the wonderful thing is that Scripture actually teaches us that God puts systems in place that says to me, Pastor Gary, you are not a robot. Uh, yet so many say the Sabbath is just for those Jewish people over there. Now, Eric, help us out on this one. How is the Sabbath presented in the scriptures. I mean, do we need a Sabbath? I mean, or is it just restricted to the Jewish people uh, out there uh, in in Palestine? An interesting subject, Gary, because um, I actually looked up uh, on uh, 
uh, Britannica about the Sabbath, what it meant, and it actually came back with the Jewish Sabbath. This is a Jewish Sabbath. Uh, observed throughout the year on the seventh day of the week. So mm-hmm. that's what it actually said, and a lot of people would probably think, okay, well, that's it, you know. So where do the, we've got to go right back to the beginning. Where does the Sabbath, what does it actually represent? Where does it come from? And I think a lot of people got it, don't get it right, actually, when you look. And I had it wrong for many years. Well, it, it's, it's certainly it. something in the world in which we're living today. People don't tend to talk about it. I mean, mm. we're in a world that is uh, nonstop, mm. uh, super fast paced. In fact, it's almost like the proverbial uh, mouse running wheel, isn't it? You it know, is, so much yeah. of our society today. And mostly on the seventh day of the week is mainly sport. You know, it's, it's sort of invo- gone that way. But it's we have to go really right back to the beginning and uh, we've got to see where the Sabbath came from. Is it Jewish? I don't think it is. I, I, in fact, I know it's not. Okay, help us out. Why have you come to that conclusion? Well, if we go straight back to uh, Genesis chapter 2 and we look at creation uh, and we look at verses, uh, let's have a look, 2 and 3. It says here, uh, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So it tells me here that God, first of all, when he finished his creation, on the seventh day of the week, six days he took to form everything, and on the seventh day it says here that he blessed it and he sanctified it and he rested. Three things. Mm -hmm. So the first one was he actually blessed it. He made it special. Yeah, um, yeah. And that to me tells us that what does a blessing mean? It's been given to mankind for a blessing. You know, I, I, I'm quite interested in that word, he's sanctified, because mm. that word sanctified means to set aside for a holy use. You know, right mm. through the scripture, we get examples of numerous things. Uh, sometimes it's the tabernacle. Sometimes it's the, it's the temple itself. Sometimes it's the priests. But he sets these people or these things aside. He sanctifies them, sets them aside for a holy use. And what he does here in, uh, in the book of Genesis is he sets aside this thing called the Sabbath for a holy use. That's right. So blessing at first. So we get a blessing from it. And then he says that he made it holy. Sanctified mm-hmm. means that, as you say. And then he himself rested. He didn't need to rest. He's God. So he actually rested as an example for mankind to do. Now you've got to remember that Adam and Eve were not Jews. Exactly. When did the first Jew come along? Oh, many years later. Well, many, uh, Abraham, of course, is, mm. the, is the first Jew, and he comes well after the flood, mm. and you get uh, Abraham as the first Jew comes along, mm. and of course uh, God establishes his covenant uh, with Abraham, and then it comes down through Moses, and uh, Moses, of course, is given the, the Decalogue. But we're going to come to that in just a moment. Mm. But, you know, to me, I just back in this um, uh, story back in Genesis, to me one of the really beautiful things here is what God actually does. You know, God has, if you like, been working all week. He's created the Sabbath day. He's created the world, according to the scriptures, in seven days. And on the seventh day, he does a thing called rest. Now, you know, I don't know about you, Eric, but Mm. I don't imagine God as having needed 
to rest. In fact, Adam and Eve, their very first day alive, because they've been created on the sixth day, on the seventh day, a God comes to them and he says, now Adam, Eve, I want you to have a rest. Now, get, get this. It's a brand new world. Mm. It's just been created. It's still sparkling fresh. And uh, Adam and Eve are not tired. They're not run down. But he says, I want you to have the day off. You know, this is, this to me is a beautiful picture of our God, isn't it? Do you know? It is. And, you know, I kind of, just as you're thinking that, I just wondered, did God rest with them? You know, did he talk to them and. You know, he could have. I've, I've, I've got no doubt that that's exactly what he did, because uh, to me, uh, to me, I don't know about you, and I know we're going to come to this, but mm. you know, uh, to me, what uh, what this picture paints for me is a God who wants to be in relationship mm. with us. You mm. know, we have got the Sabbath seems to be this day where we have a vertical relationship. With God, but we have horizontal relationship because Adam and Eve had relationship together. Do you know, that to me is an incredibly beautiful picture. And mm. it's something that I think really challenges the secular society that we live in today. That's right. And, and if you, if you go across to the New Testament and look at Mark 2, 27 to 28, he, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now it's telling me here that the Sabbath was made for man. So when was it made for man? Back in creation. Back in creation. Whereas today, uh, and it's probably another topic, but people follow the, the Sunday. But here it's telling me that it's actually made on a Saturday. This is it. This is actually made at creation. And later in the week, Beautiful. we're actually going to have, I know that uh, Fabiano and and our good friend Helen are going to be digging into that question about Sunday this Thursday. So if you've got any questions about how did that actually come about, uh, that's going to be answered this coming Thursday. And these these two really have got some quality answers uh, for, uh, for you. Uh, but Eric, look, let's come. Let's come back again. Yeah, and then of course I, I think of the Ten Commandments when I think of the Sabbath. Exodus twenty-eight to eleven. Remember the Sabbath day uh, by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, see, these that were actually put on, written by the finger of God, also on tablets of stone. Yeah. Now, yeah. some people say, um, "Well, isn't this a Sabbath? Uh, you know, like is this a Jewish Sabbath?" Well, if it was, then there should only be nine commandments because do they kill or steal? Yeah, they yeah. Keep yeah. the nine. You know, it's there in stone. To me, one of the really interesting things about that particular commandment mm. is what the commandment actually says. Yeah. And, you know, that, that commandment actually prohibits work by animals. Mm. Yep. You know, and to me, that jumps out at me because mm. to me, animals are certainly not Jewish. <laughs> Nor is the foreigner resigned. Nor is the family. foreigner no. resigned. In other words, no. there is actually a commandment here prohibiting work full stop, even for animals. Now, you know, 
I sometimes I hear about uh, people have spoken to me about the horrible God. Some have said mm. of the Old Testament, but you know, as I go through the uh, the the law in the Old Testament, I think what a wonderful God we've actually got there. Mm. You know, here we've got a God. This is in a a day of uh, indentured servants. You know, there were uh, people had there were servants, there were slaves in Israel, and you could make them work. As hard and as long as you liked. Mm. But God turned around and said, no, even your servants and your slaves, you are to give them, you are required to give them a day off every single week. Now, you know, the whereabouts else is there in the ancient world where, where the nation was required to give the slaves a day off? But that is what God is saying here. Even the animals are to be given the day off. Mm. You know, I, I, I love it when I actually go through the, uh, cause I've done this on one or two occasions. I've gone through the uh, ancient Jewish, uh, legal, legal and, uh, moral, uh, system. And there are other times, in fact, there's six times through the year where uh, God says to them, I want you to have the whole week off. Mm. And then, of course, once every 70 years, he, he says, um, 70? Is it 40? Uh, yeah, once every 70 years, I want you to have the whole year off. Mm. You know, once every seven years, sorry. I, you know, to me, as I look at this, mm. I am just so conscious that we have got a God who really cares for us. He's actually saying, I want you to put into your program regular breaks, and this is when I want you to put them in. Yeah, that's right. And that's to, to give us rest as, as he, as he pointed out, you know. So the question today is then, if it was given at creation, uh, and it was given at creation, and then it was put down in the Ten Commandments, did the people in the world know, uh, is there a gap there, or, or did they actually know before he actually wrote it down? And, and they did. Okay. They did know it. It's found in Exodus, uh, talking about Exodus 16, uh, starts off in verse 4, but it talked about the manna that when they were fleeing Egypt. It talked about um, them being given manna from God. It says here in uh, 16, 4 to 5, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I'll rain down bread from heaven for you, or manna. The people are to go at each day and gather enough for that day. And this way I'll test them and see whether they follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as what they gathered on the other days. And ver- further on in verse 26, it says, Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath, there will not be any. So they were given instructions there to follow the Sabbath. And this is, of course, mm. this predates yep. the giving of the Ten Commandments mm. in uh, at Sinai. And to me, this is, this is actually a really important thing because yes. it means that there is certainly being a knowledge of this thing called the Sabbath before uh, the moral law was ever given. That's right. So obviously the people knew about it. They they were they knew that the, the Sabbath was to be kept, and so this is a general theme uh, of the Old Testament. Um, and God created the Sabbath on the seventh day of creation week. He blessed the Sabbath, set it apart. So He set a pattern by resting on that seventh day. And that time there were no nations, only Adam and Eve. But more than two thousand years later, God reminded the people of Israel about His Sabbath. With the um, yeah, with the uh, the manner, mm-hmm. two thousand years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. 
Yeah. In other words, to God, uh, this is actually an incredibly special uh, day. This is something with, that God has given to humanity and said, I'm setting it apart uh, because this I want to be a blessing to you. And you know, Eric, I don't know how you, how you, well, I know how I, I found it. The Sabbath to me has been such an incredible blessing right through my entire life. You know, to be able to come to a day when I can just simply say, hey, I'm putting my, my tools down. I'm going to have a day that I'm going to spend in fellowship with my God. And relationship with fellow, with fellow believers. You know, this, the Sabbath to me is summed up uh, by the word relationship. Mm-hmm. And I love being able to have a day, a day when, uh, the relationships can just be developed. When I can slow down, I don't myself. I I actually uh, I actually don't go shopping. I you know I I put aside uh, those things that are not going to build relationship. Wow, what a day it is! How, yeah. how do you find it, Eric? I find that way too. You know that that day is so special to and for the family too. It it actually gives you time with your family as well uh, to to do that. And in a busy world with so much need to have a break, you know, it's, yeah, it's showing. Yeah, yeah. And mentally and health-wise, God knew what he was doing. You know, Eric, the really interesting thing to me is that at one particular point, I uh, I actually came came across a a group of believers. These people weren't Seventh-day Adventists like, like myself, but they had been studying the Scriptures, and this was a group of about uh, 15, 15 people. And uh, they had concluded that from their study of the scriptures that they really should be keeping a Sabbath and uh, keeping that on on Saturday, the seventh day of the week, and I actually got to got to talk to these guys, and they actually came to me and they actually accused me. They said, "Pastor, why do you why do you keep this so quiet? Why do you keep this so silent? Uh, you're really hiding something here that is just so powerful for the world in which we're living, but you never speak about it. You never say anything about it." And uh, you know, I suppose I felt really rebuked at that time by this group of, uh, of individuals because uh, to me what they were saying uh, rung so incredibly true. But Eric, look, let's come back to what you're sharing. But it's amazing, you know, uh, if you look through the Bible, Paul in the New Testament held 84 meetings on the Sabbath in the book of Acts alone. 84 meetings he held wow. on the Sabbath. Wow. So it showed that they follow. One of the big things to me is that uh, Luke is the only Gentile uh, who wrote any New Testament book. Luke was a Gentile, mm. and he wrote in the New Testament, and he wrote in Acts sixteen thirteen on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by the riverside. So even though he was a Gentile, yeah. he was keeping the Sabbath. Yeah. And Paul yeah. wrote, Paul's mission was to actually bring the Gentiles and the Jews together. Yeah. He was given a special vision for God, the yeah. unclean and the clean should be together. And so here he's talking about that, which is amazing. And also, did you know that today there's 140 lang- languages around the world? The word for seventh day is similar to the Sabbath or a rest day. Wow. 140 languages yeah, around the yeah. world are very similar for those two days. But what interested me, Pastor Gary, and what made me understand the Sabbath more was actually uh, found in Mark 15 when it talked about when Mary came to anoint Jesus' body. Mm-hmm. And that to me was amazing because that really brought it out about what day is what. What's actually happening there? 
Well, what's happening is that Jesus has uh, has died, and uh, it's found in Mark fifteen forty two to forty three. Uh, and um, uh, Joseph came to take of Arimathea. He was a prominent count, uh, member of the council, and he he uh, he boldly went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Uh, and it, was, it says here it was the preparation day. And then we'll look at the days. So that was the preparation day. Uh, and then and it come, it said, when the Sabbath was over, uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Sol- Solomon, uh, brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just up to sunrise, they went to the tomb. So here we have the preparation day being, and in some translations it says Friday. Mm-hmm. And then you have they rested on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Jesus rested in the tomb. That is the Sabbath. That's Saturday, the seventh day of the week. Here it clearly says on the first day of the week, and in some translations it says Sunday. Mm. That to me was a clincher for me yeah. to understand where the Sabbath actually so, so, yeah. you know, stood. Because today the Sabbath uh, can be seen as something else, you know, they, on the resurrection day. But here it's pointing out that the Sabbath is in the middle. Yeah, preparation yeah. the Friday yeah. and the Saturday. Yeah. I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that, Eric. I think that that's a uh, that's a vital understanding that we do actually come to because what we actually have there is the uh, is the other Christian the Christian the early Christian uh, group the those who believe in Christ didn't even want to bury the body of Christ mm, yeah. uh, on Sabbath um, lest they break the a Sabbath, so they waited until Sunday morning. So, how, I mean, what's more important than that? What yeah. would be more important than that to to have your saviour lying there, you yeah. know? And and yeah. today, customers, you know, it, it's important to get the body in the ground, you know, to yeah. get it done. Yeah. Well, here we find that that that's not what was actually happening. They actually waited on the Sabbath. So it tells me that the Sabbath carried on after Jesus' death. They yeah. recognized that, and so did Luke and, and others. They, they followed um, their belief. They knew and what the this Sabbath is was. actually an important question that we're actually going to pick up tomorrow. We're actually mm. uh, Tomorrow we're going to have Pastor David uh, uh, Butcher here, and uh, what we're going to be speaking about is the Sabbath in the early Christian church, and by that we mean uh, the book of Acts. What was the practice and what was the teaching? And, of course, there's a couple of uh, passages there that are sometimes um, um, suggested um, uh, a different uh, a different meaning. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to have a look at those tomorrow and just see what they are actually saying. Uh, it's, it's so important that we, we follow what the Word of God is actually sharing. Well, Isaiah 56, 6 and 7 says um, uh, that... Um, also, the sons of the stranger, everyone that keeps the Sabbath for mine house, shall be called an house of prayer for all people. So thus the Sabbath is for Gentiles, for all people, for mankind. That's what it was given for. Yeah. And that's what it's talking about here. It was never it was never a Jewish Sabbath. It was started off from creation. It was put in the commandments for all people. And if you try and leave the Sabbath out of it, then you've got to forget the other nine commandments that are in there because they're all written in stone. He could have put nine on in the stone, but he's got yeah. that. Yeah. He's got them all in there. And, of course, this yeah. is actually the challenge because uh, we actually live in a – uh, a world where uh, law, whether it be human law 
or even divine law is actually downplayed significantly. And, uh, you know, I, I suggest that when you downplay the law of God, uh, you're actually standing on incredibly dangerous ground. But Eric, look, let's come to some, uh, some sure. music. Uh, this is, uh, the song, uh, Remember the Sabbath. This is by, uh, Lady Love Smith and, uh, uh, Reggie, uh, Reggie Smith. Uh, please, please enjoy.
that was Remember the Sabbath, and that comes from the Pillars of Faith album uh, put out by 3ABN, a really uh, beautiful song. Now, look, we've got uh, that uh, that free offer again uh, for you, our small uh, book today. This is uh, uh, just a very small booklet entitled God's Gift in time. Now this answers a lot of questions that people have got about this issue of Sabbath. It really does share with you uh, the incredible benefits of a Sabbath and why it's so important to actually follow the Word of God uh, rather than the construction of man. Look, if you'd like uh, this little book, uh, God's Gift in Time, uh, then please text your name, your address and your telephone number to our studio, uh, to our our studio mobile number here it's 04888 80811. That's 04888 80811. And, uh, we'll get, uh, this, uh, this book to you, uh, as quickly as we can. So please send us your name, your address, your telephone number, uh, to, uh, 04888 80811. Are you listening to Faith FM Drive Time? Big Q&A with, uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Eric Hoare. And Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're taking as our theme, you are not a robot. And today we're asking, uh, is the Sabbath uh, Jewish? Eric, really appreciate what it is that you've been sharing with us. Uh, anything else? We've got just a few minutes remaining. Yeah, just a, a couple of texts, uh, Gary. And uh, one is Jesus' example, uh, mm-hmm. Luke 4.16. So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was... He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and actually stood up to read. So he came into the synagogue or the church. And I, I like to follow this up with Matthew 5.17. Do not think that I, Jesus, have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish the law but to fulfill them. So he yeah. did what God was commanding us yeah, to do. Yeah, you know so one of the powerful. one of the really beautiful things about about that particular passage is that you know myself as a Christian, mm. uh, because that's certainly what you know that's my first calling in life to 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 be a Christian. Mm. But you know, to be a Christian means to uh, follow the works He's of Christ. Example. He's our example, and to do what Jesus actually did. And you know, I've actually shared with a few people when they've said, "Hey, look, why do you you know why do you keep the Sabbath? It's a very legalistic day." I say, "Oh." It's not. This is the most fantastic relational day that you could possibly experience. Number one, but number two, I do this because this is what Jesus did. That's right, and it takes you out of the world, sort of. It takes you from that rat race ah. to the clean race, to the faith race, <laughs> to the faith race. <laughs> but just one last uh, last yeah, yeah. text here. Uh, this is very important, I think, because this talks about the end. It says uh, in uh, Isaiah sixty six twenty two to twenty three in the new earth. Yeah. From yeah. one Sabbath to another shall all flesh. So this is proven it's not, it's all flesh. Yeah. Come, shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. So isn't that beautiful that in the new earth, when Jesus comes again and sets up his kingdom, all flesh will come to worship on the Sabbath that they've been keeping on the earth. What a wow. beautiful picture that we've actually got there. A God that is going to give us Sabbath. Uh, 
in the past, mm. been maintained all through history. Yep. It was kept by Jesus when he was on earth. It was actually kept, and this is what a lot of people don't realize, and mm. tomorrow we're actually going to go through the book of Acts and just simply show how the Sabbath was repetitively uh, being kept in the book of Acts uh, by those early disciples. Many people don't actually realize that the mm. change didn't actually happen until two, three, four hundred years after the death of the apostles, which is absolutely remarkable. But Eric, look, I'm conscious our time is starting to go away from us, but I'd love to just go to a practical question if we can. Now, look, how has the Sabbath impacted your family? Do you uh, have you found any benefits? Now, you haven't always been a Seventh Day Adventist, have you? You haven't always kept a Sabbath, as I understand it. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Has was it? Is it a positive impact the Sabbath on your family? To be quite honest with you, Gary, um, when you're so busy and you, 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 you know, I'm a guy that likes noise around me and to actually stop and have quiet time, uh, it, it's like working flat out and having a holiday and it takes you a few days to wind down. So when you're in the hustle and bustle of life, that's all you know. Yeah. But then when the Sabbath comes along and you stop and you start to take notice more of your family, you, you start to take notice more of what God is saying and mm. following him and then mm. the blessings come because the blessings come through that day, then it makes the world of difference to me. It has made the world of difference to me. I don't know where I'd be today if God hadn't called me into his uh, into his family and uh, and following his commandments. Now, they're not a burden. They're a joy to do. I do not keep the Sabbath to be saved, all the church tells me to. I do it because God has spoken about it, and I can see what he is saying in the Bible about it. Yeah, and it's, it's so much that you actually need a rest, need isn't a rest. it? You know, that's the thing that I find about, about the Sabbath, being able to come aside on a day where I'm not trying to, um, to to work harder, where I'm not forced to work onto the treadmill, where I can get off the treadmill. You know, one of the most beautiful things is, you know, we go along to church. We actually have a church lunch every uh, every Sabbath, uh, and we actually go often to the to the local park. And there'll be uh, thirty or forty of us. We'll sit down at the local park. I don't know. Your church does this sort of thing as well. Well, we're we're just sort of starting to come back into that. But the big thing too is Gary is that when you're with like believers and you know you can share on that day and have that fellowship as like believers on the Sabbath, that's important. Yeah. But you see what's happening here is too is that at the end of time what's what God is doing is he's actually bringing us back to the Garden of Eden. At the end of time it says you'll have Sabbath. So we're actually going back to the Garden of Eden. He's setting up something perfect. Back to the Sabbath. That and that's what you get in the book of Revelation, isn't it? You get a recreation yep. that actually happens of planet, you know, a new heaven yep. and a new earth. And of course, Isaiah talks about in the new heaven, the, the new earth that's actually going to be located on this planet here, according to the book of Revelation, the last two chapters. Uh, you're going to find that those people are still going to be keeping a, a day of worship, a day of relationship. It is such a wonderful thing. And one word I could just finish with, Gary, talking sure. about the Sabbath is peace. Yeah. That's the thing. In a busy world, a world that is destructing, you'll find peace through Jesus. It's interesting. When you said one word, the word that came straight to my mind was peace. And I was actually going to say exactly <laughs> the same thing. Exactly the same thing. It's a wonderful, a wonderful uh, thing. Uh, look, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you now. Lord, I want to say thank you uh, for giving us the, your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to say thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to say thank you. You uh, for giving us your word. 
And Lord, I want to say thank you for giving us a Sabbath. Uh, Lord, a day of rest. Thank you for creating that for us. Thank you for giving us relationship. And thank you for giving us time uh, when uh, we can celebrate uh, those relationships. Uh, Lord, I just pray for each of our folk who might be hearing us right now. Lord, if they uh, are struggling with that uh, concept of rest, I pray that that your rest might rest upon them uh, and that uh, uh, they will be able to to walk um, in in your shadow. Uh, Lord, these things we ask, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, folks, I'm really conscious that it does look like that our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time, a big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I share with Pastor David Butcher and we're going to be asking, what did the apostles teach about the Sabbath? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Uh, Please enjoy Michael W. Smith, Ancient Words. Oh, let the ancient words in bond.